What's up, everybody? It's Hakeem Mitchell. Uh, another episode of the Off Ball Podcast. This is an interesting episode today because it's our last one of season one. Uh, we call it season one, Trey. Is that what you want to call it? Season one? Right, I like it. I like it. So this is the last episode of season one. So thankful for everybody coming along this journey with us, and we're really excited to keep it going. But um, of course, I got Trayvon Barnes with me. Say what's up, my brother. It's good, man. Everybody viewing, we definitely appreciate you for all the views, all the support, all the comments, everything. It's been a great experience meeting all these different people from each of our lives or just people in general. It's definitely been fun. Man, the network that we made already is one thing, and I'm so excited to see where it keeps on growing. It feels like anybody that we have on the podcast is already like a family member, so it's really cool to see. So um, we're just going to go ahead and jump in this. We got a lot, a lot of topics to cover today and not a lot of time. I mean, I guess we can start with this man right here in the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> hey, I ain't going to lie to you. I was going for Portland so hard. Bro. I was like, Portland, pull it out, Portland. Portland, you can pull it out. So I do have a question for you. So, and this is a topic that I had with a few of my friends. Like, what do you think about the NBA players actually having those, you know, little titles on the back of their jerseys, like respect us and, you know, Black Lives Matter. I don't know. They just have all types of like, do you think that's really getting a message across or it's just kind of like, you know, changing a street sign to Black Lives Matter street? Like it's not really doing anything. Like, How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I look at it two ways. I look at it as for athletes in general just being able to do something like that that's powerful you know just being having the, op the opportunity and being a voice that because you you know the nba is full of black players but it's ran by you know mm -hmm. majority white men so that part is good but the actual uh, purpose behind it if, if you think that that's gonna if they think that that's gonna actually like you know cause change then you know that's, that's fool's gold like just having that on the back of that jersey that's more of commercializing the movement or or lifestyle however you want to you know call black lives matter I feel like that's doing that's doing really uh, nothing to really mm -hmm. serve what we're, we're trying to get accomplished. Um, mm -hmm. Because we know at the end of the day, nothing's going to change unless laws are changed. And I don't think you know those sayings on the back of the jersey is going to make politicians change laws. So unless there's some actual action that goes along with it, I mean, mm -hmm. I definitely think it's important just to be able to voice our opinions, especially since a lot of us feel like we don't really have a voice. But being on that platform. And just something as small as that, you can't voice your opinion. So I'm excited to see where this can like grow into and continue to expand to see where we can continue to make changes at. But um, I know it's just very interesting times. Uh, yesterday, in fact, Jacob Blake uh, was just shot by police officers, and I don't know if anybody's seen the video. It's pretty, it's a pretty gruesome video because uh, the backstory is in Wisconsin yesterday, uh, August 24th, a man. Uh, was stopping a fight apparently so he parked his car he had his two or three kids in the car with him he was going to stop a fight which i believe was from like women in his family that were fighting he went to stop the fight and police were called to the scene he ends up you know stopping the fight and he begins to walk back to his car and police are like chasing him down basically as he's walking to his car calmly and they're yelling at him stop stop you know you're resisting arrest whatever so as he's getting into his car a police officer fires seven shots in his back while he's in the car with his kids in the car as well. And it's just another another one of those gruesome videos that's just like hard to watch, especially as a black man, because, you know, you feel you just feel for that because you never know 
And it's sad to say, but you never know. Any time could be your time. And that could happen to me, you. You never know. Like, lie. It doesn't matter. Like, any of our friends, it could happen to any of us. So that's why it's such a scary thing to watch and witness. And it kind of becomes like a a psychosis thing. Like, we're trying to get numb to it. But for me personally, I just can't get numb to seeing death. It's really hard to watch these videos. But uh, prayers go out to him. Uh, he survived it. Uh, he's paralyzed now, I believe, from the waist down. So he is alive. It's really sick. Uh, it's just senseless. And it's definitely a little off topic, but when we start talking about the police, and I know a lot of people are saying defund the police, and I'm actually a full, I completely support that. Two things. Uh, the history of the police is the first reason. The police, the force, the police force was started in order to catch slavery, like catch runaway slaves. And that has been a system put in place for years. So it's never, never been like, you know, halted and said, hey, wait a second, you know, maybe we should figure something else out. It was the system put in place to catch runaway slaves. And also to tie into that, you know, when you have all these Karens, you know, calling the police and things like that. The reason that it's also like you ever heard of um, a citizen's arrest? That's the same concept as well. So when you look back on to uh, slave owner, slave catchers going to, you know, catch these different slaves that were running away, a white person back in the day as well could just stop and see a black person walking down the street and say, oh, you look like you're a runaway slave. You like you don't belong here. I'm going to call my sheriff. I'm going to call my police officer or I'm going to arrest you and they could detain you for up to 48 hours after they hold you. And so these are like systems and things and like just ways of life that have been put into place back then and have continued to surface for two, 300 years, you know? So that's why I'm a huge fan of defund the police because I think it needs to be a change of the entire system. That's the only way it could actually happen. But then again, if you think about it from the other side, you know, if you think about it from the other side, you say, hey, why would I want to change that? Like. I'm the one in power. I mean, why would I want to change the laws? Why would I want to make any type of change about it? Uh, it's just, it's... Because uh, yeah. I didn't, like, obviously being a black person, you don't think about, you know, your side. Like, I think we talked about it in the podcast with Tatum, you know, it's the other side, like being able to see both sides of it. You, being someone in power, like you're not even thinking about the other side. So I feel like it has to be two things. We have to, we have to come to a point, I think we're getting to that point where the general feeling is that obviously black lives matter and that both sides matter like in the in this issue it's not about just you having power like being equals is more important mm -hmm. than you you know holding power over us so we can get the people and that are in a place of leadership to act to have that mindset and we have those people in place i feel like we can you know get closer to that but in terms of defunding the police i feel like we need to restructure how the police mm -hmm. you know act with uh with citizens like guns mm -hmm. Like I feel I think somewhere like places in Europe they don't even carry guns or something like that. So it's obviously possible for you to have uh, less you know less militarization of police in uh, our society. It's just that we have to put the right people you know in place. Like a police officer shouldn't be someone with vendettas out for black people. A police officer should be someone that is here with a mission to you know keep peace and to protect people, not to. Uh, it would put their fist down and have maybe like a little man syndrome or something like have these vendettas out for people that you really know nothing about. So it's definitely some change. 
It's, inter- it's interesting you said that too because uh, my father was an ex-police officer and I have a few just male figures in my life who were police officers. They're all a little older now, retired. But a lot of them said, yeah, like the people that are becoming police officers, usually like they were the ones getting picked on in school and things like that. And now they kind of just got that like, oh, I have really authority over you type of personality. And I personally don't think the police need to be the first responders for every single incident that ever happens. Like a domestic violence case, if people are arguing in their home, police officer if they come they're automatically like on high alert like oh they're screaming they're yelling they're fighting i just gotta step in and break something up like no that's they're not the first people that need to be called somebody's chilling at the park they're not the first ones that need to be called it's just so many incidents and cases where they do not need to be the first ones called because they don't they just don't know how to handle all these situations so i completely agree with you when it needs to be restructured on who and how and when and where certain people and police officers should be and shouldn't be yeah they can uh they can go and like have subsets of like different types of police you have some police that are called in for a highly you know uh dangerous situation you know like a shootout you know you need to call police that you know are about that action with guns and stuff like that you got domestic abuse you should you should be able to call police they don't even have weapons on them they're trained and they're people that are ready to you know uh uh what do you call it d Diffuse the situation, mm-hmm. you know. Those type of people need to come to those uh, those disputes and those arguments in those situations. So it's definitely some restructuring and some you know changes need to be made to the system. So also another thing that you said a little earlier was um, uh, we start talking about Black Lives Matter. So I do have a question for you. Um, when we speak about Black Lives Matter, it's about the police brutality that African Americans are facing in America, right? And when I say Black Lives Matter, I don't only include African-Americans, I also include our Hispanic and Latino brothers and sisters because they are getting killed by police officers, not at a higher rate, but at a very similar rate. So this is interesting because I've heard a lot of talks now about people of color and trying to get us to come and form together because I feel like our power is always going to be together, not divided. So it's not really a question, it's just more of a statement. It's very, very interesting because now it's more of a, okay, let's try to blend us all together because I have no hate for you in my heart. I have no hate for white people in my heart. I have no hate for you know anyone in my heart. So now we all just need to start trying to figure out how we can come together and support one another. It's, the tough thing about that is like, like I'll be talking to like my mom and everything. Like the mm-hmm. older generation, like they uh, they don't really uh, well a lot of I'm not gonna say everyone everyone's different. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of things that's like been embedded in us from generation to generation to where it's a lot of separation of things. So like it, you know it used to be about like dark skin, light skin. That was a big separation. You know black people couldn't come together in a lot of aspects just because of that. Then you got you know different people claiming to be black and not and people saying they're not black and everything like that. So it's kind of it's kind of hard based on the brainwashing and the, the things that we've been taught and told over the years for, uh, for us to really be accepting of everyone that looks like us or looks similar to us or just comes from similar backgrounds because it's been so many subsets and divisions that's been given to us. You got light skin, dark skin, you got black people versus Africans or 
Dominicans not really being black, these type of things going on, or mixed people not really, you know, it's so many different things that have been put in place to divide us that it's so hard. And we definitely need to attack that part as well. Like, just like knowing your African roots and understanding like who's really black and who's not. And even even though they, even if they are, they're not like just understanding like there's economic things that put you in the same class at the end of the day. So we still need to come together no matter, you know, what your uh, your heritage or race is, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very, very good point. It's the mental psychosis that we're all under. It's like a, a nationwide psychosis. And it's even crazier because we're not, is not a separation of you know black white is really a separation of money and power and that's one thing so many people don't understand is that we're not separated between our color that's the the most shallow minimal thing that we could ever be separated by it's really about the power of the dollar and who is running certain things and who has that power and then where everyone else is like so to perfectly tie into our next piece the unemployment rate right now is at a staggering high. It's I have a test, a study from the University of St. Louis, and I got the notes right next to me. It was uh, 5,500 people, and it was a diverse group that all suffered from economic, uh, the economic impact, either job loss or income was cut. So the job rate right now is as bad as the Great Depression. We've lost over 40 million jobs. People like over 40 million people are out of work. So St. Louis came in and did a study just to see like diversely the different groups that are suffering the most. And of course, each percentage is kind of based on certain reasons, right? So take everything I say with a grain of salt, but um, it's about 27% of the people that are, you know, lost jobs or have a, a displaced income are Hispanic. And one of the main reasons for that is because, of course, construction work, like just being completely honest, but majority of construction has had to had to stop, you know, right around our uh, our pandemic quarantine period. Everybody just had to stop going to work and those jobs haven't come back yet. Then you start looking at the majority of low income families of about 29 percent. So you got low income, middle and then high and low income was uh, a majority at 29%. And then we also go into the age groups of 18 to 24 years old. So right at our age group, it was a staggering number of like 41% of people around our age group has lost their job or had their income cut. So it was just some some very interesting, you know, numbers that I stumbled upon. Those are good numbers though. Like it's like I, I remember like yeah was it last year two years ago right before we came out of college like you know i'm big in the uh the economy and finance and everything and it was like yeah. they're forecasting it was forecasting a recession yeah we, we talked about this they'll forecast a recession within the coming year well good old shark good old shark <laughs> forecasted a recession and i was like i think that we're coming out at the perfect time because of overseas like at that time now i was like if we're overseas you know for the next short short couple of years whatever three four five mm-hmm. years whatever by the, by the time that if you need to come back home or you you just want, want to come back home the recession will probably be over yeah i had no idea that there this this would be a <laughs> pandemic causing recession that would affect overseas <laughs> so a worldwide <laughs> the, our age group definitely is hit because i know just looking at it my plan was 
overseas for however long I want to do it. Then get my uh, my my uh, my master's GA back in Hampton for a year or two, or whatever, and then get into coaching. And they have my mm-hmm. business and you know YouTube all this stuff on the side as well. But now it's like if overseas, like, cause like even if I do do get my contract and everything, like if I had to get sitting back home, like because of the sh- another shutdown happening, cause that could very well be like it's very tough, like job wise, just to like have something to keep your head afloat, cause. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man first and I don't want to be living with my, my mom my whole life. Exactly. So it's just exactly. like a lot of real life stuff is happening right now. And it's like this, the way the system is set up is it's not set up for this many people to have education and no job mm-hmm. be available. Cause like mm-hmm. we graduated two years ago, well, a year ago, it's another class just graduated this year. And there's going to be another class graduating mm-hmm. this, in 2021. Mm-hmm. There's going to be three classes basically coming out basically in the same situation where there's no no jobs really available mm-hmm. for those people. On top of people mm-hmm. that, have, you know, they're older and been had jobs and they, they lost their jobs. So the job situation is definitely crazy right now in all aspects. Unless you already own a business that's, that's not affected by the pandemic, the job situation is crazy. Because even with teachers and everything, like, they're, they're hazard workers. Like my mom, like she has to go, she has to go to school. Like they're not shutting down schools right Man. now, and that's not safe Man. at all. And you just gotta do what you gotta do, and it's this is crazy. And a lot of teachers are saying, I'm not putting myself at risk for that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going into be with 20, 20, no, 35 to 40 different kids in every single block that are not wearing masks or not being safe. Like you're, you're putting me at risk now, and you already they're not paying teachers enough. Teachers got to pay for their own utensils for the classroom. So, I mean, whew, yeah. I was speaking to my uh, family the other day uh, about um, jobs, you know, in the early 50s, 60s, I guess you could say, and how it was more so still factory, still hands-on construction, you know, plumbing. That It was just different type of work versus now where we're getting into the IT field where a lot of people are on the computers working and things like that. So there was a huge push to go to college and now that a lot of people like you said are getting degrees graduating from college that work is looking different now that work is in the IT field that work is working on a computer and a desk versus hands-on jobs so there's always like a security in getting a job that you can be hands-on with versus the IT field but there's such a huge push for all of us to you know go get that corporate America job once you come out of college that now is looking it's looking bad it's looking very very rough the opportunities are slimming down by the day because i know uh this is not it or tech related but um all the airlines like their uh their aid or whatever they got from the government i forgot exactly what they got or whatever it runs out in october and as soon as it runs out they said they're planning to cut like thousands and thousands of jobs i think american airlines or southwest somebody said they're going to cut nineteen thousand jobs as soon as the uh as soon as their aid runs out. So, yeah, so it, it's it's really getting crazy in all aspects. Cause like, even like with the, like you said earlier with the construction work not being a thing right now for like Hispanics and Latinos and everything like that. It's it's really hitting at every every level. Cause mm-hmm. there's no, you, you really can't, you really can't have construction work because there's no economy booming to for a need for you to build more buildings. And mm-hmm. work from home is becoming, you know, the best thing to do in this pandemic. Plus, if you're working from home, it's only a certain amount of jobs and certain amount of companies that are actually able to, you know, hire right now because it's only a certain amount of companies that can actually survive in this pandemic that we're in. So it's, it's just like compounding, like level by level, like the, how the jobs and everything is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. 
and it's only going to get worse until we get over this. Which is even more interesting because now we got the uh, the presidential elections coming up. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> I, uh, this is a serious question. So serious question. I've heard statements. I might receive backlash on this comment. I've heard statements saying, you know, of course, you know, Donald Trump is he's having a he's having a poor go at it. Let's just say that having a really bad go at this whole president thing. And I understand people aren't really fans of uh, our Democratic nominees, you know, Biden. But is there a certain feeling of if we really and truly and this is a black man radical speaking to another black man who's a radical if you really 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 wanted change do you see a problem with donald trump getting reelected and honestly tearing this whole thing to the ground because america is going down and if it's going to just continue to go down it's like hey honestly white people gonna burn this thing to the ground regardless like they're gonna let that happen so if this man who's that like egotistical is really gonna let this whole thing burn to the ground and he has a lot of people following him like yeah i don't care we're not letting it go if they burn it to the ground that is perfect time to rebuild four years later i mean it's going to be a terrible tough four years for a lot of people and i mean a lot of a lot of people but have you ever thought about that like is this this is an interesting conversation. When Donald Trump first got elected, Rick Ross had put out a song. Uh, this was in 2016 when he got elected. He put out a song. Uh, he said, I'm glad that uh, Donald Trump won or something like that because we got destroyed before we elevated. Yeah. And at the time yeah. when he said, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's terrible. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a whole four years younger back then. I, I really not understand <laughs> politics and everything like that. Back then, I was all Democrat, all Democrat, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really understand stuff. So looking at it now, I I know, like you said, it's going to be backlash. But I would rather, like you said, I would rather Donald Trump win and this four years go to complete hell and we come out of this with actual, like, firepower to actually start making real change, legislative change, like, reconstructing everything, especially from a black person's perspective. Because no matter who wins, I don't think anything's gonna happen for black people of any sub- substantial change. No matter what they put in front of you, no matter what they put in your like in your, in your eyes, make you feel good about what they're doing from the Democratic side, it's it's never of anything of real change. Cause like even when Obama got elected, I don't I can't uh, maybe I'm just not educated enough. I really don't know anything that got better for black people. People were still getting murdered by police. Economically, we were still in the lower class. I don't really know anything that got better. I, I respect him and, and love the image that he portrayed for a, a young black man to follow, you know, how he, he carried himself. But speaking just politics, I don't see anything that changed. So if that means we need to have the worst four years ever, having Donald Trump just mess this country up, for us to come out actually getting something done with the next president, I'm for it. I don't support Trump at all. I don't like Trump at all. I think he's a garbage individual, and I think that he's probably the worst like persona to ever be and don't get me wrong in our time in our time and don't get me wrong i'm still not voting for him yeah, oh, if he wins, I'm not voting for him. no way no way but if he wins it's like yeah go crazy dog. crazy dog go crazy i'm not mad if you win maybe maybe we can get something done after you you destroy it because 
it's not gonna like if we if if the Democrats win, Joe Biden wins and everything, and they give us they got they already gave us the, the black token person to be by his side to put uh Senator Harris right Kamala Harris. They already did I uh talking about apparently she don't even claim being black, so let's just stop that there. Like Exactly. We're not even gonna get into that. We're not even gonna get into that today. We're not gonna get into that today. But they she already gave us a talking person to make us feel good. So we already know the game. We already know how they're gonna do it. They're gonna try to make us feel good without even doing anything. So it's the same if game that's gonna be the if, the if that's option B, option A sounds much better to me. Destroy everything and come back better versus just continue to cycle. I don't like to continue any cycle. So I wanna bounce it back real quick just to keep it a little on the upbeat side. So like what have you been doing during this whole pandemic and stuck in the house just to try to like stay motivated and keep going because i'll tell you this morning when i woke up i was sitting in bed and i feel i feel terrible because i was supposed to go with my brother today he just bought a house i was supposed to go with him to you know um pick out like the granite countertops and all that kind of stuff and i knew what time i had to wake up i set my alarm but like as soon as I saw it, I was like, bro, I just don't want to get out of bed. And he came in like, bro, what's up? Like, we not going? I was like, bro, nah. I don't know if I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like getting out of bed. And like, he was like, oh, damn. All right. So I think he went like his little shorty or whatever. But I ended up um like, you know, sitting in bed for like another hour. It was probably 930. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, nah, I can't have a day like this, bro. Come on, let's get up. I got to do something. So I literally just thought back. And this is a Joe Rogan quote. He was like, man, whenever I'm in my head, I just gotta like get into my body. Like just go be active, get physical. Like, so I literally just woke up. I was like, man, like whatever, I'm going running. Like I really just went for like a, a mile and a half run, I think real quick, maybe like eight, 10 minutes, whatever. Came back, did my core, ate breakfast. And literally, I think I sent you the message and I was literally in the message, like breathing heavy. And that's because I I was in like on the run, and as soon as I started running, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel it. Like my endorphins puffing. I'm like, I feel it. I feel it. So I all these ideas of what I needed to do for the day and get accomplished for the day just started rushing back to me. And that's when I like messaged you like, hey bro, we gotta get on this podcast today. Like I'm feeling it today. Like let's do it. And then I came back. Yeah man, I got some work done. I'm about to go work out again at about two thirty. And yeah, just enjoy family for the rest of the night after that. But like, what are some things that you're doing to try to keep your mind stimulated? Yeah, so I definitely, uh, I keep up with my, my finance podcast uh, daily, my finance YouTube channel, I keep up with that daily. That's a routine for me. Whenever uh, one of my people that I follow drops on, I always watch it. No matter if I'm doing something uh, at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm having it playing. So that's always in the back of my mind, finance. And the, the goal of being financially free is always playing in the back of my mind. But uh, I'm I'm always on that, and I just ordered uh, a lot of things to prepare uh, that I need uh, in the pre preparation of going back overseas. Like I had to order some shoes and everything, but also I ordered some books, three books that uh, that, I, that I said I was going to read, and that was uh, uh, Powernomics, uh, Dirty Little Secrets, and Forty Million Dollar Slate. Yeah. I think you read that one. But uh, I read yeah. those books, so I'm I'm right now just preparing therapy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm preparing my, my <laughs> preparing my mind for the journey that I'm trying to uh, be on with uh, this whole you know YouTube thing, life thing, basketball thing, like all you know all together at one time. Like I'm preparing, putting, getting everything you know situated for that. 
uh, and working out, obviously, still trying to get back, you know, to where I need to be on the court. So those are the things I've been doing lately, just trying to keep putting things in place for the uh, for everything I'm working towards, whether that's my financial freedom, getting my next contract for basketball, setting up for things for life after basketball and YouTube and stuff like that. I'm, I've just been putting things in place for that. So you would say it's it, you would say it's your goals then, like you you've set some goals and standards in your life, and you're really just locked in, focused on trying to achieve those goals, no matter how long they take. Yeah, I've, I've been, I'm actively pursuing those things by uh, by putting knowledge in my brain and by actively like getting out and doing things. Like like we like every time we do a video for the YouTube, that's me actively doing mm -hmm. it. Every time I work mm -hmm. out, that's me actively getting ready to go back overseas. Every time I learn something about finance and and every, that's me actually getting things set for my financial freedom. So uh, all these goals that I'm actually doing, I'm, I'm, I've been recently actively getting things situated, you know, okay. for those. What do you think the word hope looks like, especially in trying times like this for people listening? Like, what does hope look like for the future for you? Hope. Um, I feel like hope is when I when I see when I see uh, the residue of of potential, meaning that when I see little things that that showing that's showing the light to things that could be better. So when I see more people like me and you, every day of my timeline doing things, you know, to to separate themselves as being more than an athlete, or just separate themselves to chase financial freedom. Like when I see small things that I can see leading to big things, that's that's mm -hmm. what I see is hope. You know, just for mm -hmm. me personally. So my answer to that for hope was. Actually, you kind of answered it. That's just me personally having goals, and that's like the thing that helps me get up in the morning. Like, I'm very hopeful, and not necessarily monetary things, because of course you can have hope for a monetary thing, but when it doesn't happen, you're like distraught, you're hurt, you're terrible. But I'm really into tangible things that I see and I know I can do every single day, and I know it's going to build to something else. So I have hope for them things that I can actually build towards. I'm not saying because I'm hopeful for it that it's going to happen, but in the process, I know I'm going to become a better person. And I'm just, I'm really, it just helps me. I'm hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful. I have something to actually hope for when I'm working for it in the today. But um, this really, this really isn't me. This, and Trey knows this. This is not me at all. But I have a Bible verse that I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Hey, he knows. He knows. This is not me at all. But people, I have a Bible verse. And... I just, I just thought it was very, very powerful. So hold on one second. I gotta just squeeze it to the side a tad bit. Uh, all right, you ready? You ready for this? It's probably a one-time thing. Just FYI, it's probably a one-time thing. All right, Romans chapter five, verses three through five. It says, uh, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because, because God loves us and has been poured on, out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So my favorite part about that was just the, the we have glory in our sufferings. So even the hard times when you're suffering, when you come out of that, it shows that you have perseverance. And without perseverance, you cannot build character. We've all been through some trying times, but once you get to the other side, you realize like I persevered through that and I'm a better person for it. You built character because of that incident. And then we have character, we have after, because of the character that we've built, now we have hope. We were tangibly working for things through that perseverance, through them sufferings, we were tangibly working for the for the future, for that, for that work that we had. 
and now we're hopeful. And because we've seen that past work, now I'm hopeful now, and I can be hopeful for the future for the rest of the work that I have to continue to do. Like it's a not, it's an ongoing process. So it's just that was probably my favorite part about that. But never be shameful about the past that you've been through. For everybody listening, never be shameful about the rough times that you're going through right now. Just understand that we have to keep on persevering together as a community, as a country, as a family. And we're going to see the other side and it's going to make us all better at the end of the day. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Trey, but. <laughs> nah, that was very well put, man. You said it all. Definitely hopeful for uh, what's next to come on the channel as well. You know, this being this is the last episode. And we got, yeah, we got the last episode of season one here. We're definitely hopeful for season two. Definitely hopeful for some new guests, some uh, intriguing stories, some different ways that we're going to bring the content to you. Like, definitely hopeful for the future in all aspects. We we got some things brewing, and uh, I'm definitely hopeful for that. We're going to keep on working. We're going to keep on working. We're going to keep on working. All right, everybody, that's our time. We really appreciate you for listening, for tapping in with us. You know, we're going to go ahead and play it again, but I want y'all to go subscribe, like, follow, everything that you got to do. So, Trey, you can go ahead and run it, man. We out. Thank you, everyone, for watching another episode of the Off Ball Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on the Anchor app, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll be back next week with more content.